0: This is Know It All, the ABCs of Education, a platform of Allison Brown
1: Consulting, ABC, where we empower our listeners with insightful information about equity in education.
0: Welcome to Know It All, the ABCs of Education. Listen in every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern or at any time from your computer at blogtalkradio.com slash know-it-all. I'm your host, Allison R. Brown of Allison Brown Consulting, ABC. I'm a civil rights attorney with a focus on equity in public education. Keep up with me on my website at AllisonBrownConsulting.com and be sure to follow know-it-all at blogtalkradio.com. If you're tweeting, follow me at Allison R. Brown and tweet about the show with the hashtag KnowItAllABC. Today, we are talking about the future of the arts and society. Arts programs are rapidly vanishing from schools all over the country. They're being replaced by standardized tests and Common Core and other things that have been deemed more important. Today, we're going to talk with Dr. Natalie Hopkinson of the Interactivity Foundation, my friend and regular guest on the show, about the importance of the arts in society. Natalie, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me on, Allison. Well, so I read your report for the Interactivity Foundation, The Future of the Arts in Society, and it is a beautiful report. It is visually stunning, and the content is, is beautiful, too. Can you just talk a little bit about the work that you do with Interactivity Foundation and how the, this report came to be?
1: Sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much. Um, this was such – I can't believe that this is my job to do this project. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Uh, basically, I, this project started a couple of years ago um, where I recruited a couple of panels of mostly artists. I had artists, I had poets, um, writers, media scholars, I had a Grammy Award Uh, nominated rapper, um, sculptor, graphic designer, um, had arts in public places people. So we just had a very diverse um, group of people who met in Washington, D.C. We met once a month, and we basically just brainstormed ideas about the arts and society. Like, what is our... How do we, um, you know, the goal was to create this report, which is a discussion guide that's available to the general public to be able to use as a tool to be able to have conversations about the arts and society. So we basically came up with seven possibilities for how, that look at how society is changing and maybe provide um, grist for conversations about what that might mean and what, what sort of policy changes we might make to anticipate the changes um,
0: that are going on. So there, there were, um, I think all of the possibilities in the report are really compelling, and one of them is about schools of art and um, how how we do that. Will you talk about that, the concerns that, that gave rise to that possibility? Sure. Um, so the other interesting thing about the panel is
1: we were also very, um, I guess, geographically diverse. So we had a panelist from, Moscow. We had somebody from India. We had, um, you know, we had people who, you know, one, one panelist uh, lived part time in France and also lived in DC, and um, and so we kind of took a, a very global look at, you know, the issues around arts education. So, you know, as you alluded to at the beginning of the program, like arts is often the first thing to go on the chopping block um, in you know especially with this move towards standardized testing and um, standards and um, you know everything sort of seems to be moving toward preparing each and every child to take the SAT you know like that's what we've moved all, like most of the policy is sort of moving in that direction and um, you know this naturally being you know a group of artists we also had an art dealer and you know we had just a this diverse group of people they all had really strong concerns um, about how to not just put back art into the classroom or music into the classroom, but how do we educate our whole society in the arts? How do we sort Mm -hmm. of integrate the role of art in like all public places and all of our public enterprises? Um, so, you know, a lot of that, um, that possibility was not just, I mean, it was sort of a given that uh, most people who are interested in talking about the arts and society have some sort of affinity toward art class, you know, or drama class or whatever those things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we really tried to take it there and then also push it forward um, and, and think even more broadly. You know, it's also about educating um, people who are not of school age. You know, and how do we give them opportunities to become, to engage in the arts? And um,
0: so that was sort of what that um, that possibility sort of looked at. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, thinking about uh, educating our whole society in the arts, I think, you know, there's this perception of the arts as visual or drama or music, and that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I really appreciate how your report treats arts and really considers art of all forms. Will you talk about how expansive that, that was? Did the panel frame that for you, or was that something you went in with? Well, that was
1: something that I kind of did, because, and I think that that's one of the roadblocks um, when you're talking about the arts, is that people automatically think that you're talking about that Van Gogh painting that's in that museum. Mm-hmm. And you know with even within the panel, you know you think, okay, well if we're talking about the arts and society, then we must talk about what's on in the museum, and so we really had to continually break like I was like, we have to get out of the museum like we're we have to get out of the museum, and we have to talk mm-hmm. about like more broadly where that is. So you know that includes literature. Um, you know that includes you know just the, the the values around like you know I guess broader values around education like the role of creativity you know in in um, producing uh, I guess developing children who are ready to to be um, to be into the workforce and be productive members of society at large. Um, yeah. And then, you know, we also talked about also, like, you know, there are, like, there are real consequences to this sort of framing of art as being something that is just in the museum yeah. because, or in the opera house or at the ballet, because that locks out a lot of people. I mean, there's very clear data about, like, who participates in most art forms that are publicly subsidized, and they mm-hmm. are not the masses. It tends to be the elite. So um, you know, this that possibility that we had that we developed around um it was called schools of art, that tried to address that um, that in looked at the arts is their public good that should be available to every everybody and it should be benefiting everybody. And so, you know, the, the possibility that the panel came up with is that it would have the arts and infused throughout all of our public education systems. And all of our public spaces, so that means parks, community centers, mm-hmm. uh, municipal buildings. Um, it should be everywhere and not just visual arts. You know, that means like mm-hmm. having artists in residence. Like here in D.C., um, it was really cool, uh, this uh, performing artist named Chris Diles-Bacon, who I've also collaborated on another project recently, um, later. But we talked about him a lot because he was an artist in residence at Dulles Airport you know, in Virginia, (laughs) which we thought was just totally cool and awesome um, that you would sort of have that, not just the art, not just the visual art, but performing arts, music, um, technologically assisted art. So, you know, we could expand definitions to include a lot of what you even see on social media and Tumblr, um, Twitter, Facebook, you know, we're just we're kind of entering an era of unprecedented um, creativity and there's just so much expression and people are expressing themselves all the time. And so one of the challenges that we have as society is how to sort of harness that um, and how to um, effectively, um, you know, sort of harness that towards to
0: the the public good. Mm -hmm. You know, um, another of the possibilities that you... Have in the report is the art of diplomacy, and mm-hmm. you know as you're talking about kind of this this really expansive understanding and conceptualization of the arts and what the arts are. Um, I'm thinking about students in schools, and and mm-hmm. um, particularly for students who are in you know some of these very racially isolated, socioeconomically isolated schools where they're not receiving. They don't have access to some of the most high-quality educational offerings, Mm -hmm. uh, much less art programs. And, you know, you talk about this era of unprecedented creativity. I think schools really can be a very stifling force for that creativity Mm -hmm. unless Mm -hmm. they're very careful to allow it in. Um, And so, you know, thinking about diplomacy and even just who we define as the ambassadors of, this nation and who we imagine going out there in the world and representing this country um, and then who are we then equipping with um, the art of diplomacy as mm-hmm. we are educating our children um, certainly came to mind for me with in thinking about that possibility of diplomacy. Will you, will you just talk about how you all and how the panel came up with this possibility? What were the concerns and how did it how did it flesh out? Sure, so it- yeah, and
1: you know, it's it's almost like we were in our conversation because that was part of the whole thing. Like, you know, one of the quips was that, you know, when you think about cultural diplomacy, you're thinking about okay, we're going to have this artist exchange with the ballet, the you know, the mm-hmm. Chinese ballet right. or whatever, the Chinese oak orchestra is going to we're going to exchange them with our orchestra, and. You know, I think one of the panelists was like, well, you know, we need an exchange for, like, the rural areas in the city. You know, we need to have Mm -hmm. cultural diplomacy happening right within our own borders. You know, like, that's how vast our cultural worlds are and how diverse Mm -hmm. and, you know, how different they are. So that was part of what that that possibility is. And, you know, and and also Mm -hmm. just I I wanted to pick up one strain that you mentioned about, you know, sort of schools being very stifling places. Like, if you look at you know, if you look at even um, social media uh, within schools, I mean, schools often frame social media as a problem. You know, somebody is, there's beef that's starting on Twitter or, you know, yeah. there's bullying on Instagram and Facebook. And there's all these things that, and there's sort of like it's managed. as And mm-hmm. um, part of what, you know, we hope um, the report does is kind of try to open up some possibilities. And so we're just thinking a little bit broadly about what art is even. You know, like I've seen Mm -hmm. some incredibly eloquent Facebook posts, you know, that have been shared and reshared. And, and, you know, or, and, and, you know, same thing on Instagram, you know, super artistic. I mean, these are like, these are modes of expression. So Mm -hmm. if um, schools and school systems really found ways to kind of again, harness that and sort of, you know, um, meet children where they are and encourage that even. You know, of course, you you, mm-hmm. you definitely need to educate them around civility and, um, you know, even issues of taste and don't put all your business out on the Internet. <laughs> you know, like those are things that, that children <laughs> need to know. But um, – you know like that's i think part of it like you could use it as a diplomatic tool like those arts the arts and creativity can be used as a diplomatic tool within um within schools within communities and then of course in a larger world so um you know as i mentioned like we had someone from india um you know moscow france um you know somebody grew up in the middle east um, you know, I mean, I myself grew up in partly in Canada. my parents are from Guyana, you know, so we were very much interested in um, like cultural diplomacy and how do we use culture as a way of connecting um, you know connecting our cultures and being closer um, as as a you know like as a world and um so that's sort of what the art of diplomacy, that, um, that one is. And so, you know, one of the things that we talked about, too, is that, you know, again, ex- sort of expanding definitions of what art is. We ended up talking about food a lot um, with this mm. cultural diplomacy possibility because, you know, as one of the panelists said, food is one of the ways that we... Um, our society, at least American society, seems to integrate all of the diversity. You know, so if you go to any mall, malls are just as American as can be. But if you go to any mall, it's like a trip around the world. You know, when you see what mm-hmm. foods are being offered, and we're okay with mixing our, um, you know, baklava with um, enchiladas and pizza. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're, we're pretty good at that. So you know, part of um, you know cultural diplomacy. So you know, somebody thought about doing like food summits, you know, international food Ooh. exchanges. Um, you know, more, more, um, and there, there are there are programs that exist through the State Department that that do do cultural exchanges. And so you know, part of this possibility is like, of course, continuing to fund them, expand them, and um, you know, also redefine. Um, what constitutes um, arts and culture and how we can exchange it. Um, and then, you know, the, I guess the one last thing I'll say about the art of diplomacy, particularly people who had spent time abroad, they really felt like, um, you know, American culture is so hegemonic. <laughs> like it's it's so, um, uh, like it's just so oppressive, Like like a lot of like, developing countries can't find any room to breathe because it's like like they're to develop their own culture. And then a lot of the film that sort of comes out or, you know, movies are a good example. A lot of the films that come out of the US they really don't provide a very positive picture. You know, certainly along, there's a lot of racial stereotypes and other things that get perpetuated in in the super popular films that are disseminated. And so, you know, we're also looked at that as a concern as well and how do we deal with concern. So even within that possibility, one of the implementations that we talked about was making foreign language learning a bigger priority. You know, like that's sort of... You know where cultural diplomacy begins. Not expecting everybody to to speak English, and you know, sort of reaching out and and um, and you know having these exchanges um, culturally.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I certainly see the arts as important to the country and important to um, our standing in the global economy. Um, it's also important, and, you know, just to, to mention my friend, Dr. Jessica Phillips-Silver, who is a neuroscientist and an artist herself, a musician and visual artist, and um, talks often about the, the positive effects of art and artwork and perform, engaging in creation um, for the brain and, and for healthy brain development and how important it is for children to have access to opportunities to you know, move and move freely and, you know, in response to music or um, to themselves create music, whatever it sounds like, (laughs) to to, um, learn at ears and to be able to, to, you know, create paintings and take pictures and um, really exercise those portions of their brain so that they are Mm -hmm. developing holistically as healthy human beings. Um, So, you know, Aside from the importance of the arts for our society and for um, the progress of the nation, how did you and the panel talk about the importance of the arts for healthy individual human development?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that 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 definitely was, um, you know, part of a lot of the the discussions that we were having, is that, you know, and it also reminded me, Alison, I don't know if you had gone with me to that arts, um, that Aspen Institute, did that arts education roundtable in D.C. earlier this year? No.
0: Mm-mm. Okay.
1: Well. Um, anyway, they had this artist. Um, like they have an initiative at the Aspen Institute where they're they're doing these arts turnaround schools, um, and so they had one of the pilots was in Washington D.C. and Kaya Henderson, who's the um, the chancellor of D.C. Public School, was also there attending, and they talked about. Oh yes. What they were doing. So, do you remember now?
0: I do. Yeah, yes. they were
1: they were doing this um and I think they did they were doing the pa- the pilot at Savoy Elementary School. And um, so they had gotten, I mean, the White House is sort of involved in this initiative as well, and so they were able to bring in their fancy friends. I think Kerry Washington and, and, um, you know, the actress Kerry Washington and other people are sort of involved in it um, within this artist exchange. And so I remember that, I don't know if I remember if it was this year or if it was last year that we went to go see that, um, that, where they they talked about this initiative and beginning this initiative. But I was very excited to see, like, last month, a couple weeks ago for Halloween, that same school, uh, which I think was Savoy Elementary School in Washington, D.C., they did a flash mob um, of the thriller, Michael Jackson's thriller, Mm -hmm. uh, choreography in downtown (laughs) D.C. And um, it was fantastic. You know, it was just just Mm -hmm. fantastic that they did that. And, you know, they actually had a choreographer working with them. And, you know, the kids really, really got into it. And, you know, and I, I think that, you know, it's it's really great, like, the the, the work that um, – it's Jessica Silverman, right?
0: Jessica
1: Phillips-Silver. I'm sorry, Jessica Phillips-Silver. Um, the work that mm-hmm. she does, you know, it's really great to give sort of a scientific, you know, and, and data-driven, um, you know, which is what their buzzword is. Nothing, you know, nothing really counts <laughs> unless there's data behind it. But in any case, there is, like, a, a – you know, scholarly scientific rationale for being able to do that. And I don't th- – but I don't think that you need, like, a study to really show how, like, how much joy and how, how engaged mm-hmm. and how excited kids were to be, uh, to be participating in, in things like that. I, I just really feel mm-hmm. like, you know, it really makes a difference, you know, if you're able to allow children to, um, to participate in things that move their bodies and, you know, things that they care about and things that they enjoy doing.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so thinking about um, arts as diplomacy and uh, underrepresented um, people who uh, are not necessarily given access or provided as kind of or put out there as the face, the public face of the arts for this country. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I are headed to Miami in a few weeks yes. for Art Basel. <laughs> Will you talk about, first of all, what is Art Basel?
1: Yeah, I'm so excited about Art Basel because um,
0: actually one of the, I didn't know anything about
1: Art Basel, but one of my, the panelists for the Arts and Society Project um, is a arts, dealer, um, he's, and he's worked in the space for a long time, and you know, we were in the middle of having our discussions and he was like, Natalie, you've got to go to Art Basel in Miami. Um, so I went, and I mean, what it is, it's like an international um, arts showcase. So um, you know, it's just like an arts extravaganza. Um, there's, there's In the design district, there are tents. Um, there's lots of art happenings, concerts, um, there are a lot of different theme parties for different parts of the country and different parts of the world. Um, you know, for me, I often describe it as like, you know, I had gone to the main convention center where um, art galleries from all over the world are presenting in, inside this space. And, you know, it's kind of amazing because it just feels like you're taking a trip all around the world and you're seeing everybody's best stuff. You know, So, like, you see the South African Art Gallery and you see what's going on in um, San Paolo and um, in Japan. And, oh, my goodness, I just ran into an Ai Weiwei uh, sculpture installation. And, you know, all these, like, major artists, um, you know, massive installations that are there. And for me, it was just really um, exciting and stimulating to be able to see you know, if they're if they're packing that stuff on a plane and bringing it to Miami, it must be pretty mm-hmm. good. <laughs> so you know, often it's, it's, it's pretty pretty great stuff. Um, but part of the, and um, you know, there's a whole lot of. I think about fifty or sixty thousand people come into Miami uh, for Art Basel, and quite a few DC people have started going as well. So a lot of my artist friends um, have started going, and you know, they put on. Um, you know events uh, in in Art Basel. Um, so this year, we now that our arts report is out, um, mm-hmm. we are going to do some. You know, I call them nerd parties, sort of. Um, <laughs> you know, I joke I'm a nerd party promoter, but basically I do these. Um, <laughs> we do these public policy talks. <laughs> Um, and so we're going to do we're going to discuss this report um, there, and we we have a partner, um, Teach for America, and their Miami office is located right in the design district in um, in what is historically known as overtown uh, section of Miami. This is a historically black area in Miami um, where this huge sort of indoor outdoor strip mall um, has been erected, so there are offices <laughs> on the second floor, and then there's restaurants and clubs on the on the, and uh, shops on the main floor. Um, so it's right across the street from where the tents are. We're going to be doing um, doing our discussions, and I'm really excited to have ABC coming as well.
0: Well, I cannot wait. And I, I think, you know, especially just thinking about equity and education and, and equity generally, you know, I think mm-hmm. the irony is that, um, you know, Art Basel will be hosted in, over this historically black mecca, um, and from I've never been to Art Basel, but from mm-hmm. what it sounds like, <laughs> the the um, patrons who come for Art Basel are are predominantly white. Is that accurate? Um. Yeah, you could say that. I mean, I, I mean, I don't
1: know about race specifically, but they're definitely predominantly rich, you know, because mm. there are people who can, can afford to buy, <laughs> afford to pay, like, all this money. I mean, these this art is not cheap. And, I mean, these are, like, some major, like, big money collectors that come in and and, and cool. go in there. So, yeah, I mean, it's, like, you could say it's a gentrification. Um, and, you know, the mm-hmm. New York Times has written about it. Um, you know, the fact that, in, in fact, the space that we're going to be doing our discussions um, which are open to the public, so if you're interested, you know, we'll also give some other information about it, but you can RSVP, you can email info at historicfreshwater.org um, if you're interested in coming. You will be in Miami. It's going to be December 7th between 1 and 3 p.m. But like this area, um, it's a gentrification, you know, and it's it's sort of like it's just ironic on very many levels. We also talked about um, you know issues of development and gentrification in our project, but you know, artists are, tend to be agents of gentrification. You know, they come into spaces often that, um, you know, maybe have been underdeveloped. And, you know, they often create these enclaves there. And then, you know, then then the lawyers and, and you know, PhD people start coming in and uh, mm-hmm. setting up shop. And they, are, they often set off this sort of process of gentrification. So, you know, we're really looking forward to, you know, not just, you know, talking about the arts project, which we will. You know, we're talking about Art Basel, which we will. But also like we want to talk about what's actually happening there. I mean, we want to talk to mm-hmm. people who are there in the community, have been there and um, you know, like this is like where, this is a segregated area of, of uh, Miami mm-hmm. Beach. So um you know we'd like to speak to you know the people in uh, Liberty City and little haiti places that are 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 sort of close by where there are you know many um Haitian immigrants and um Cuban immigrants as well and you know we want to sort of be able to engage in a conversation about like what are the larger dimensions of art basil and what's happening there, who is serving
0: mm-hmm.
1: um who's included. Uh, part of uh, you know part of what why we're so excited about it is that you know we're we're um, you know we're I, we hope to be inviting people into that art Basel who never got their invitation in the past. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, you know so we'll we'll sort of see. We've got you know some amazing um, you know we've got some teachers who are actually core members who will be helping uh, Teach for America core members who will be helping to, with facilitating the conversations. And um, you know we're really hoping to be able to mix in and you know mix in some of the the typical art Basel apart, but really you know providing a
0: space for um, for everyone. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is why I love your nerd parties because I think you really <laughs> you really do <laughs> such a phenomenal job of of connecting. You know the people with policy, the the real people. You know with with policy, and the real people are everyone. You know, and there's such a variety of viewpoints and uh, diversity of of thought, and it's really just always engaging and enlightening, and um, and it really does touch you know real life. So I'm looking forward to this nerd party in particular. Yeah, um, and I'm and so glad
1: that you're going to be coming. And you know, Allison
0: Brown, at ABC. Consulting will also be joining us
1: and helping to facilitate these conversations. So, thank you, Allison, for you
0: know lending us your expertise. Oh, of course, of course. So, tell people again how they can information about the the discussion from one to three on mm-hmm. December seventh, and how they can RSVP. Okay, so the way
1: to RSVP is um, you could email info at historicfreshwater dot org, um, and you know that's the way. And again, the the date is December seventh, and it's from one to three p.m. Uh, we're going to have Chef Creole, who's a really popular um, chef, patient chef um, down there in Miami. He's going to be catering for us. We're going to have food there. Um, so yeah, so just shooting an email. I mean, you can also if you tweet at me at Natty Rankins on Twitter. I can also get you the information um, that you need. I mean, we do, we are going to have sort of limited space, so the early. If you are going to be in the area, and and like the, the sooner that you get the RSVP in, the better it will be for um, for you to sort of lock in your spot. Um, but it, it should be.
0: I'm I'm really excited about it. Well, I'm excited too. And you are going to be at Busboys and Poets this evening. Yes. Can you tell folks about
1: so, that? Yes. Um, so I wrote a piece on The Root yesterday. So you know, I'm also a journalist um, and a contributing editor to The Root. And so I wrote an essay um, that sort of gave a preview of what this event is tonight. So um, tonight at Busboys and Poets at 630, I will be on, in conversation with a novelist um, named Margaret Wrinkle. And she's written this amazing Um, lyrical, beautiful, uh, historic novel called Wash, Um, and it's a story of a stud or traveling Negro and his relationship with his, um, you know, with his master, and it's sort of like this psychological thriller almost, you know, where they're sort of like playing these mind games with each other, Um, and... You know, we're talking about her book, but we're also talking about just sort of like the larger. Margaret is white, and so we're we're talking about the larger issue of racial reconciliation. You know, and looking at the like the issue of slavery. You know, and and why it's so difficult to have a cross racial conversation about it. So that's mm-hmm. going to happen this evening. We'll read from her book. Um, we'll also talk about Twelve Years a Slave. Twelve Years a Slave was one of, um, of course, it's the film that's out um, by Steve McQueen, but It also was, the book version of that was also part of her historic research that she did um, when she was doing, and also we'll talk about We'll talk about um, WASH, and then, you know, again, just the larger larger conversation about the the effects of slavery and how we can get to the point where we're having productive conversations about it among black people, white people, everybody.
0: And, you know, I... I, um, that movie has just been stuck in me since since we saw it a few weeks ago and, um, you know, it's part of almost every day some conversation I'm having with someone and, you know, it really has had such a tremendous impact and so I think the, the conversation this evening will be very rich and I look forward to, to hearing her and, and uh, reading her book and talking more about the movie um 12 years of slave i think there were um you know factual accuracies and things that we've heard about even just the connection between the slaves Mm -hmm. and the native americans and and you know Mm -hmm. how that just just visually seeing some of these things that we've heard about and and and, you know have learned about from books but um just to see it so portrayed so realistically was just powerful um it was pretty traumatic (laughs) Yeah, and and wonderful all all at one time. So um, I'm looking forward to that conversation. And to find Natalie, you can reach her on Twitter. She's at Natty Rankin on Twitter. Um, You can also find her on Facebook. And the Interactivity Foundation is at interactivityfoundation.org. Natalie, thank you so much for being on Know It All today. Thank you, Allison. You are now officially certified know-it-alls about the future of the arts and society. Remember, to follow Know-It-All, the ABCs of Education on Blog Talk Radio, follow me at Allison R. Brown on Twitter, find ABC on Facebook, and read my blog at alisonbrownconsulting.com. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful week.